Hi, I'm Joy. And I'm Janelle. And we are your hosts of the Melanin and Miles podcast. We are just two Black girls in our 20s who have traveled to over 25 countries and five continents. And we want to share our travel experiences and advice with you. Like when I went cliff jumping in Jamaica, or when I booked a flight for only $6, and even when I lived with a host family who didn't speak any English in Spain for four months. Or when I went skydiving in D.C., swam with elephants in Thailand, and won over $200 at a casino in Puerto Rico. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast and tune in every Tuesday for new episodes. Before we get into the episode, make sure you get your hands on our free Budget Babe travel guide to learn the top 10 ways you can be saving hundreds or even thousands of dollars on your next travel adventure. Get the guide straight to your inbox at melaninandmiles.com slash free. This segment of our podcast is called The Check-In, where we both update you guys on where we've been traveling and life updates in 60 seconds or less before we get into the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Melanin and Miles podcast. I'm Joy Wade, your host for today, and I'm super excited about today's interview because we're going to be talking about the business of travel blogging, traveling with a family, and just making a whole lifestyle around travel and experiences. We're going to be interviewing Monet, who is a mother and also the writer behind the family travel blog, The Traveling Child. She is amazing. She has a blog, she has a popular Instagram, and she also contributes to popular travel websites that you might have heard of, like The Points Guide, Essence, and um, a lot of other blogs online about travel. The reason I really wanted to talk to Monet is because she has such a unique perspective in the travel industry. She takes her husband and her kids everywhere. And I think that is so inspiring for anyone who has a family or is thinking about, you know, how do I travel with my immediate family or cousins or nieces or nephews? How do I, um, you know, get them involved in those travel experiences? And like many other people on the podcast, they started traveling young or they started traveling early on with family. So I think this will be very interesting, a very interesting interview because not only are we going to talk about that aspect, but we're also going to get into the nitty gritty of starting from scratch if you're trying to have a career or a side hustle in the travel industry. So thank you so much, Monet, for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm so excited to have you. Um, Monet and I got introduced in a kind of like an influencer, I don't even know what to call it, of like workshop um, by like an agency called Bodega 7. And they have picked seven creators to kind of mentor and teach about influencing and blogging. And I just love her story and knew we had to have you on. So Monet, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you're from, a little bit about your education or career background and how that, how that all ties into travel? Yeah, so um, I am a first-generation American to uh, two Jamaican-born immigrants to the U.S. So that's honestly probably where travel started for me. Um, I was born in New York and my parents got me a passport like as soon as I was born because you know, we have to go back to Jamaica to see our family. My grandma lives there and a lot of my other family. So 
I did a lot of travel then, um, just back and forth to Jamaica. Also, I come from a very large family. Without my aunts and uncles, significant others, just my parents' siblings, there's 17 of them. So, wow. Yes. So I. So we're spread out throughout the U.S. So you know, we were constantly on road trips, going to visit, you know, my aunts and uncles throughout the States. So whether it was a plane ride or a road trip, I, there are so many pictures my parents have of me, you know, growing up. And back then there weren't really car seats. So I'd be like on the, on someone's lap in the back seat in a car on a road trip. Um, so <laughs> we can all relate to that. That's yes. like the typical <laughs> black family trip. You're on someone's lap. <laughs> So for me, that's really where travel started. Um, but my parents moved from New York to South Florida when I was younger. So I actually grew up in South Florida. I went to the University of Florida. That's where I got my bachelor's degree. Then I lived in D.C. because I attended Georgetown University, where I obtained my master's degree. Um, and then I guess to continue the travel train, I've also lived in West Virginia, in California, then I moved back to New York, um, and that's where both of my children were born, Jordan and Kennedy. They are five and six years old. Um, and for me, I, I studied abroad when I was in college in Beijing, uh, China. And I, I think for me, the, the biggest pivotal point for travel for me was, be, was going into my junior year of high school, I got a scholarship through the program Experiments in International Living, and I went to Botswana for five weeks with a few other 15, 16-year-olds and wow. some chaperones. Yes. And during this trip, I stayed with a host family in a village for two weeks, which was the most amazing experience ever. Um, just nothing else like that. Um, we went camping in the Okavanka Delta for a week. We did Habitat for Humanity for a week. And then the other week, we kind of just went around the capital, Haberoni and, and different things like that. Um, and that was, was truly the pivotal point for me of knowing like travel is not just something that I do with my family, but it is something that is completely, I want to be a part of my lifestyle. Um, because being in a village, staying with a host family, them welcome, welcoming me into their home, them being so excited that, you know, to them, like I'm Jamaican, but to them, like, I'm just a black person from America, you know, right. they're not like, oh, you're Jamaican. And they're like, these are our people that were stolen. And even being a Jamaican, we're still, we were still slaves. We just were dropped off in Jamaica versus mm -hmm. in the United States. So for them, like, they're like, these are our people that were stolen from our land and here she is in our home. And when I say they took care of me, it was a two bedroom home. My family had three children. They gave me my own room the, like, and their children slept in their room with them. I insisted that was not necessary. And they were like, no, you are a guest. We are taking care of you. They taught me how to make their traditional dishes. They taught me their traditional dances. They taught me... Setswana, which is the language that they speak besides English, you know, um, also Hilijan is, is how are you and, and different things like that. And they were just so proud to show me around and have me in their home. And that also correlates to the way that I travel with my family um, and the type of experiences that we choose to do when we do travel. But that definitely 
was was everything to me and I guess is why I am who I am today. Yeah, that's super powerful. Janelle and I on the podcast always talk about how our study abroad experiences really just changed the game. And like you, when you went in high school, um, when I, the summer after I graduated, no, the summer before I graduated high school, um, I went to Panama on a scholarship trip. And I just thought that that was like so awesome to me just to, you know, one, go for free, but also to um, get to practice a different language, a language I had been learning to kind of, you know, just delve in and really be immersed. And that's something I continued as well. Um, in college, I studied abroad in Madrid, as well as um, Salvador, uh, Brazil. So I think that's super cool that we both have those experiences of, you know, going, staying with a host family and really just getting involved in the culture. And I feel like that's something unique to when, you know, you're at the high school and college age. I don't really hear as much about host family living mm -hmm. beyond that. Exactly. So um, just to get everyone hyped to get to know you, because I don't think they know like how legit you are. <laughs> let's let's name drop, oh, name God. drop some of the destinations, <laughs> name drop some of those destinations you've been to. Like we have to get people hyped, get them wanted to listen to this whole episode. So let's let's hear some of these destinations. Yeah, we have been to Australia, Kenya, Morocco, Brazil, Thailand, uh, Colombia. I mean, we've gone on RV trips throughout the U.S. to plenty of national parks, Grand Canyon, you know, all the amazing ones, Bryce Canyon, Zion. Um, throughout the Caribbean, of course, uh, Europe. I mean, I've gone to even like uh, Austria, which uh, is not necessarily on like the hot spots of Europe destinations. Mm -hmm. But yeah, France, Germany, Amsterdam, other parts of the Netherlands. We've been blessed that we have, yes, been quite a few places. Yes, this is what we love to hear on the podcast. Just Black women hitting these destinations, knocking them off. Yeah, that's really inspiring because a lot of those places I've been to, but I also want to go to. Um, so you mentioned just like... Um, when you were growing up, you traveled a lot. So that's like what sparked your interest. So, you know, fast forward a few years or maybe decades um, from when you were in high school, like how did you decide like, okay, I have a family and we're traveling period. Yeah, so for me, that's the thing. Like it never crossed my mind that it would change. It was really other people were like, oh, you're pregnant you know, you're not gonna be able to travel anymore. And I'm like, do you know me? Are we really friends? <laughs> because <laughs> uh, travel is life. Like, you know, like it is instilled in me and ingrained in me and my husband. I mean, we met at the University of Florida. We actually studied abroad together in Beijing. Wow. Yeah, like- Oh my God, that's goals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like we traveled together even just as a couple, you know, scrapping all of our little coins because we didn't really have much in, in, in undergrad, you know, to right. go on trips. I remember like for our one year dating anniversary in college, we drove down to the Keys and we spent, you know, our anniversary there. So for even for both of us, like growing up his aunt, um, he's an only child um, and his aunt, that's, a, you know, her only nephew. So definitely spoiled, but she loves to travel and mm -hmm. she would take him everywhere. So growing up, he went to Ghana with her. He went to Costa Rica. He went all these places too. Wow. So for us, 
it but was natural us, yeah like other people are like you're you know you can't travel we're like uh no nah, we we gonna take these kids with us it might be different yeah maybe but we're gonna do this because we want them to have these experiences too and not only that like I am a firm believer in not losing yourself through marriage or through motherhood and I don't want to let go of you know, of course, when you get married and of course, when you have kids, things change, but I don't want, I never wanted to let go of the things that were important to me because I was married, because I had kids, you know, because I think it's important for my kids to also see, look at our mom, like, yes, she's a great wife. Yes, she's a great mother. She takes care of us, but she also takes care of herself. And to me, traveling is something that's important to me amongst other things. And I always want them to know that you can be single, married, a mother, and still do the things that you love to do. Yeah, that's powerful. Um, and I think, you know, you touched on like what I had as the next question. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's so perfectly fine. That just means the conversation's flowing. And um, as an influencer, I feel like we all have like the questions we get the most and they're kind of like obvious or just like really like we're asking this and <laughs> my I thought yours would be when people are like can I take my kid to this place or like just things like that so like what do you think people ask you about so much where you're just like yes you can do this with your family but for people that's just like the barrier they're like I don't know I just feel like it seems unfathomable to like a percentage of people it definitely does because I agree like a lot of the questions I get are always like oh do you think I can go here with my kids like can I go here like will it be fun and my motto is if kids live there kids can visit like if kids live someplace there is something for kids to do so and I would say that we're also very different maybe we're different travelers not from all travelers but in the sense of as parents like Another, like, I guess, tagline we have is you'll often find us traveling to destinations that people don't consider kid friendly because I'm not going to set limitations on my children. So we can have fun every and anywhere. And believe me, my kids absolutely love Disney, just like every other child does. But we don't have to just go to Disney. You know, Disney is great, but seeing them on a safari in the Masa Mara, being able to see five cheetah take down a topi, which is like similar to an antelope, for them being able to meet with the Maasai tribe and be welcomed where they sing you a welcome blessing song and bless you before you go into, you know, their village area. And for them to show us their traditions, teach them how to make fire, like tell them about their history, like those are the experiences I really want my kids to have. And we go to Disney. I mean, we live in Miami, so we go to Disney a lot. But there is so much more to traveling with kids than theme parks or things like that. So, yeah, our motto is if kids live there, kids can visit. And if most people will tell you if they've asked me before, if they if you ask me if a place is kid friendly, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> like, I'm not even going <laughs> to probably, honestly, I'm probably not even reading what you said or hearing what place you act I'm like unless there is a current war going on in that city you can take your children there yeah wow that's 
Yeah, that's like the simplest answer. And I love that. Cool. Okay, so we're going to transition a little bit. And we're going to talk about this travel blog and just brand and business you have that's like literally iconic. I don't think you know how long I followed you. <laughs> like well before the Bodega, Bodega <laughs> Yeah, I followed you for a while just because I feel like you had like the, I don't know, just you had everything figured out. I know like from the outside, that's how it feels. But I'm really interested to see just how you started and um, how you go through the evolution of your blog and your business. So can you just set the stage for everyone? Let us know about the blog you have, um, how it works, and um, as well as any types of opportunities you had because of it, whether it's brand deals or just other things. Yeah, so I started my blog in April 2016, I always have to shout out my friend Paula Irving because she is the only reason why the traveling child exists. Um, when I had my second daughter, we were going to Colombia. She was 10 weeks old and we were going to Cartagena and Medellin. My friend had came over before and she's like, you should really start an Instagram like about your family travels. And I was like, no, that's really dumb. And she was like, no, you really should because there's so many parents that think you can't travel with kids, but I've seen you for the last two years doing it with Jordan, like right. going all these places with her. Then you're pregnant and you have a toddler, but you're out here in Italy and in Greece and doing all these things. And she's like, so many women think life is over. I mean, that's what these articles tell you. How many articles say, oh, travel before you get married, travel before you have kids. Once you do that, traveling will stop. And I was just like, oh, I just don't want people to think like, we're just trying to show off. Oh, look at us in this country, in that country, you know, doing these things. But the way that she put it, I was like, you know what, you're right. So I always have to shout her out because she is the only reason why it exists today. But I started it, um, actually it's just an Instagram and I just wanted it to be something that was educational where I was really providing tips. So affordability is a question that comes up a lot in pertaining to family travel, because of course there's just more people. So sharing tips on how to find flight deals, you know, how to find cheaper accommodations, how to find, you know, things to do. I provide the itineraries for every single trip we've ever been on, on my website, which is the travelingchild.co. So families can go on there um, and make it easier for them because I'm type A and I'm a planner, but I know everyone is not. So, I love when people in my community are like, so we just came back from so-and-so. We just use your entire itinerary. Thank you so much. I didn't have to do anything but pay. And I really appreciated that because there was no research. You were the research. So thank you. So um, with that, and then just providing, you know, um, other tips on, you know, flying with babies or toddlers and how to keep them entertained on flights. Um, and then that has evolved. Um, to me writing a book. I wrote a children's book, The Traveling Child Goes to Rio de Janeiro. It's the first book of my series. And that was just because the travel industry is very whitewashed. And if you type in family travel in Google, you will not see families that look like mine. Um, you don't see black and brown people in advertisements as much as you see our counterparts, even though we spend billions of dollars in travel every single year. Like 
over a hundred billion dollars. Drop them um, stats. Drop them okay. stats. Okay. <laughs> I want to say I think last year it was a hundred and nine billion dollars to be exact. But if I'm a little bit off, don't quote me. But it's definitely um it it's it's definitely over a billion. Um and yeah and I just want to make sure that kids that look like mine know that they can go every and anywhere. They can see themselves in this book because it was great to have, you know, these images on the internet, but that's not necessarily reaching children. That's mainly, you know, adults and their their parents. So they can now have this book and see my girls exploring Rio de Janeiro and see themselves in them and know that they can go there, that they're welcome in all these places. And then also for non-Black families to diversify their bookshelves because my kids have tons of books with white characters and it starts in the home, especially we were talking about anti-racism, that starts in the home and something as simple as reading books to your kids where the main characters are Black and doing something that they don't always, they will say that they don't always see people doing will hopefully change the narrative because one thing that is frustrating to me is, you know, if I'm on a plane and I'm talking to someone and I'm telling them about, oh yeah, where we're going or, and they're like, and telling, and then we get to talk about travel and they find out how much I travel. Their first question is always, oh, are you in the military? Like the only way a black family can afford <laughs> to go all these places is if I'm in the military, no, I'm not. And then they're like, they'll be like, oh, are you, you know, it like, there's all these questions. It's, it's never just, this is what I do. Like, I feel like if I was a white person, you would not have these same questions. You would not question me, you know, you would not question me, yeah. but you're questioning me now. So, you know, if, if little kids can, if we can normalize that, then those things wouldn't happen. So I don't really know where I am in answering your question at this point. But, <laughs> no, this is good. But yeah, I just, um, yeah, I just really started it to just change the narrative in travel and what it is and to normalize it and to show parents that you don't have to be rich because I am far from rich. Um, and I started it working full-time in corporate America and I've been blessed that in October, 2018, I was able to quit my full-time job. I did work part-time at a part-time gig until April or May of 2019. But then since then, I've been 100% full entrepreneur, which is hey, still insane. Congrats. Thank you. I pinch myself every day. I don't understand how this could possibly be life. But it's been a mix of, um, you know, in, in the blogging world, various streams of income, because you can never solely rely on one. But from ad revenue, affiliate income to working with brands, I've been blessed to work with brands as large as American Express. I just worked with my dream brand travel channel for a campaign on Instagram. Yes. I'm still pinching myself for like, for real, for real. They've been on my vision board for five years. Um, yeah, we shot a commercial for Subaru last year for a road tripping commercial. And yeah, working with, you know, Visit California, I sat on their advisory board for a year and all these just amazing opportunities that I never imagined. But all I can say is if you, put in the work and it's something that you're passionate about oh my god the opportunities are absolutely endless yeah that's super powerful um and you just started you just started because that's what you love and I think a lot of people feel pressure to start something but just start with what you love like this was something that was integral to you growing up and then with your family 
and you know it just made sense to document it so I love that um and so once you started you said you started with Instagram um can you tell us a little bit about like what's something people don't realize is challenging about having a travel Instagram or blog who I think so many people <laughs> think I know right I take a deep sigh <laughs> um yeah, I think so many people think that it's just, you know, you take a picture, it takes you two seconds and you post it and that's it. Boy, if I tell you sometimes how it takes me an hour to write a caption, my husband is like, what are you still doing on the phone? I'm like, listen, <laughs> don't, don't even, okay. But it is, it is, it is so rewarding, but it is so much work. Um, whether you're working with a brand or just, you know, posting content that's not sponsored, when it's something for a business and it's your business, you're not just putting up, you know, things that you would put on your personal page. You know, I can't have the same level of quality on there. So it's just about taking time to think of creative ideas that you want to talk about, creating that content for it, making sure that the quality of your images, you know, your video look good. Because if you do plan to monetize, you have to show people what the quality of work when you're not getting paid for them to right. want to pay you, you know, it starts with what you're doing already. No one's going to look at you and say, oh, well, I, the quality is not that good now, but I bet you if we pay them, they'll increase it. Like, <laughs> no, like that's not how it works. So it's not like, oh, you know what? You failed the LSAT, but we're still going to let you into law school right now. No, you didn't. It. We, no, like, you did not. <laughs> like, I'm just saying, like, no, because, because the thing is, it is a business. And I think that was the biggest thing for me, especially when it came to my growth, like being completely honest. Once I turned on the, this is my business, this is my business. That's when I started to see more growth right. and more opportunities because I started to really take it seriously. Because if I'm not taking my own stuff seriously, nobody else is. Um, and same thing with writing. I mean, writing with blogging, one thing, no one starts perfect, okay? Like I read some of my first blog posts and I cringe. I don't even look at them. I'm like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. I don't know why anybody thought this information was helpful. This is horrible. But you grow, you continue to grow and you evolve. So you'll, you'll never be perfect when you start. It's just about continuously learning tools and also investing in yourself. Like understanding you have to invest in yourself and understand you have to make sacrifices. Like so many people are like, oh my God, like I want to do this, but then there's always the, but I want to do this, but I have this, 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 and, this. and I'm like, okay, you want to do that, but okay, what you going to tell me? Cause um, I had student loans. I had two children that were under two years old. When I started my blog, I was commuting over an hour to work every single day. Like all these things, everyone has a, but it's how you overcome that but so you have to like figure out what can you do for me my sacrifice was instead of driving I started taking this um commuter bus and I took that into work every single day so I can use my commute time and write write my blog post instead of 
doing that later. It was me staying up after my kids went to bed so I could work on it. It was me not hanging out with my coworkers for lunch and working on my blog instead. It was me telling my friends I could not go out to eat with them on the weekend because I needed to put that money towards paying for the hosting for my blog instead because I wasn't making any money for my blog. Mm -hmm. So yes. (laughs) Yeah, definitely sacrifices have to be made. And, you know, I love... I love someone who can stay true to their niche because I cannot. Um, anyone who follows me, they everyone who follows me follows me for a different reason. They're like, oh, I found you off your travel podcast. I found you off your hair videos. It's just because I'm like, if there's a definition of like being multi-passionate, like I'm that person and I just choose to act on all of it and split my energy, which I don't recommend. So if you this for, so for everyone listening, if you can commit and stay true to that one thing, like you'll see results a lot faster and you know stay consistent. Yes, consistency is key. <laughs> consistency is key. The like key. everyone, everyone says it. But you're not growing if you're posting every other week. It's just not happening. <laughs> like your your work is not going to get better. The quality that you're producing is not going to get better. So you're not going to grow with your community, but you're also not going to grow in your craft. Right. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, consistency will get you far, even if you're not the best. So, yes. for example, <laughs> I don't consider myself to be the best at a lot of things because I'm multi-passionate so it's very hard for me to be the best in anything when I'm trying to do like 12 things but I am celebrating my 10-year anniversary as a content Let's creator next week and that is consistency I've been able to work with do deals in every niche that I am interested in I've done travel collabs I've done finance collabs I've done food collabs just because People are like, all right, we got 10 years to go off of, like, she can slot in. So um, consistency, just keep with it. Don't expect things to happen. Don't expect to have 10,000 followers on Instagram in, like, a couple of months. Like, I feel like there's so many unrealistic, you know, standards (laughs) for, like, because, like, once you make that first post, you have a mountain to climb. (laughs) A mountain. Yeah. Yes. All of that, yes. Yeah, okay. Okay, so now we know of the challenges after our little rant, but um, can you just, I at the beginning, you listed off a few of the ways you were able to monetize your content. Can you walk us through like how you knew it wasn't a hobby anymore and it was a business? So I guess the first time someone emailed me and was like, hey, we want to pay you to post something. I was like, wait, huh? I was so confused. I didn't understand. Honestly, when I started blogging, I didn't know that people got paid. I didn't understand that people made money. I was clearly. That's a nice surprise. Like, yes, I was (laughs) like, oh, wait, like I was just doing this because it's something that I'm passionate about, which is why it's so important to start. You know, I hear a lot of people like, oh yeah, I want to be an influencer because they're like, oh, I get free this. I get free that. First of all, nothing is free. Everything comes with an exchange of something. And it's usually an exchange of your time, especially as a travel blogger. Like I'm in some influencer groups and people that aren't travel bloggers, I will hear like when a travel blogger is, you know, trying to get advice about payment for something. And they're like, you, you should just be grateful that 
you're going to go on this vacation for a week. Like I would take that. I wouldn't even be asking for payment. And I'm like, um, it's not a vacation. If I'm required to create content and I'm going to be spending my time getting a shot for the client, writing about it, creating a video, like all these things that I normally wouldn't do on a typical vacation, it's work. Um, so for me, yeah, when someone was like, oh, we're going to pay you. I was like, oh, okay. So let me understand the business aspect of it. And that's something I wish I knew from the beginning, because had I known and understood the business aspect, I could have been way further. I feel like than where I am now, you're understanding that you're negotiating. There's contracts, like understanding that you have to read those. I mean, that's something, of course, we discussed um, in Bodega, but like, that's something that is so important because you don't want little things that you did at first to come back and bite you years later. Like if you're providing images to a Girl. brand in perpetuity, because I've been I there. I did this. I did this. <laughs> I don't mean to cut you off, but that Panama trip that I went on in high school. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, I still don't regret it because that trip changed my life and I was too young to know anything. <laughs> but, um, and also I wasn't like as my um community wasn't as big as it was so even the company didn't know anything mm. but I um to go on the trip like it's kind of like you, the trip was for them to film like a promo video for that destination mm. and but there were about 20 people on the trip so they would get footage and stuff from everyone and like I had seen the promo videos they had done for other destinations so I knew that but um, I didn't know that like I was going to become an influencer and have like a big following. And then how old was I? I was 16. So and I'm 22 now. Six years later, they start running ads of me on oh the trip. Oh, my God. <laughs> and oh I'm like, y'all didn't even pay attention to me. <laughs> but somehow <laughs> you hired someone to go into the archives and find <laughs> me. <laughs> and run ads of me when sick from six years ago and like people tag me all the time they're like is this you because I look so young and I'm like yes but the good thing is they reached out to me to like do a collab again so I just won't sign away my life again but okay we've all done it but that's the thing I think my my biggest advice to anyone getting into blogging influencing is please understand the business aspect of it first because you can avoid so many mistakes that we have made. I definitely had um, an airline as well that I did a campaign for and assigned my life away that I didn't know. And every year they post these photos of me and my family and that can potentially you know, affect us working with other airlines in the future, even though we haven't worked with that one since 2017. So understanding all of that is so, so important. Um, and I wish I had re realized that when I, when that first person reached out to me, but as you know, we're just excited when someone finds value in you at first, you're just so excited. Like, oh my God, someone's valuing me. They want to work with me. And that excitement overshadows all the other things. Um, and I think we need to take a step back and look at those things first and find out, is this really as good as we think it is? And the biggest lesson I've learned is understanding it is okay to say no. You do not have to do everything. I have turned down some insane opportunities 
because the contracts weren't right. But you know what? I did that. And then a month, six months, a year later, something bigger and better came up. Right. And had I done that previous thing, I wouldn't have been able to do this new thing that's better. So it's just trusting the process um, and knowing your worth. Amen to that. Okay. Let's um let's come down from the clouds for someone <laughs> for for anyone who's like but what do I do for my first post? Like someone who hasn't <laughs> even started yet. Um, okay. I think the main question like travel influencers have is like, how do I just work with a travel? How do I get a free trip? Like on the podcast, we just talk, we talk a lot about traveling for free. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's through scholarships or contests or influencer deals whatever it is we talk a lot about traveling for free so can you just talk about the difference between just taking a free trip getting paid for a trip and just how does that even happen like for someone yes so you can either pitch a brand or destination cvb or have them reach out to you. Um, but for travel bloggers, in addition to that, I also recommend attending uh, conferences specifically for travel brands because the majority of them have specific time set, ati- set aside for bloggers to meet with brands. So some um, that I've gone to is uh, um, TravelCon. Then there's also uh, Women's Travel Fest, there's WITS, which is Women in Travel Summit, there's the TBEX, there's IMM, there's all these conferences and you can go to them. They also provide, besides being able to meet with brands, they provide information for bloggers. They'll have different um, seminars and workshops to help us with our craft. But pitching brands and destinations is, is really, as a beginner, where you're going to be. Um, and you just have to reach out to them, whether it's the hotel directly, a tour agency, you have to send them a pitch email and explain to them why it is that they would offer you something. What value do you offer to them that would make them want to work with you? So that's highlighting, you know, the, your community, the amount of followers you have, your engagement, the type of content you could create. Because a lot of times I hear content creators say, oh, well, I don't have that that large of a following, so brands won't work with me. Content is king. So even if you don't have a large following, if you can take beautiful imagery and edit it, if you have excellent videography skills, you don't even have to have any followers. I've done plenty of campaigns where I didn't even have to post on my social media. The brand just wanted me to take images or take videos for them. So the biggest thing is for content creators not to think that you have to have a large following, but focus on the skill set that you offer and always, always provide examples of your work. And remember, you're pitching to them. So your email mainly needs to be about what you can do for them not what they can do for you um, because they have hundreds of people pitching them every single day. Yeah, I definitely 
when I went through a phase where I just wanted to do so many travel collabs and was pitching. I think this was right after I got back from my study abroad because I had so much travel content. It was so challenging. (laughs) (laughs) You get so many non-responses or Mm -hmm. no's. And I think the biggest thing about pitching is timing. And because literally some a lot of brands um, work through agencies or they might have someone managing set campaigns like the budget was set a year ago or this campaign was planned a year ago. So like you pitching and them saying no, they might want to work with you, but literally it just didn't fall in line with what's happening. So I think pitching the biggest thing is like perseverance and continuing to, like you said, you had some brands on your vision board. Like it's not, it might not happen this year. It might happen in five years. Exactly. Um, it's, but, it's it's just yeah. keep going, keep pushing. And keep those contacts and, you know, build relationships. Like you said, go to conferences, meet these people in person, um, you know, just stay on their radar. And if you really care about a brand and they see you engaging with them, they might be like, yeah, we've been, you know, for three years, we had been trying to get this approved, but you're our newest ambassador or something. I don't know. Just know that the universe has something bigger for you if you get to know now. Yes, it does. It does. <laughs> cool. Okay. So we talked about your background. We talked about travel blogging and I love talking about just blogging and influencing, but for those here that are just here for the travel stories, we're going to um, do like a quick fire round of questions about your family and travel. So um, I have like through probably like four or five questions. Okay. okay. So the first one's a really quick one. What's your ideal trip vibe? Do you like beach, snow, historical? Like what is your vibe for a trip? Okay, so I'm those people when you see those travel memes talking about some, um, don't be mad at me, I want to take a nap. Uh, <laughs> you trying to do too much action Jackson. So I'm action Jackson. Oh um, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> that is me. My husband is always like, what day can I not participate with y'all? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I actually don't really like the beach that much. Much So I'm more of like adventure. Like I like to get out, do different activities. I'm not really a like sit at the pool or beach type person. And I really hate the sand, but I go to the beach because my kids like it. Um, but as far as water, I do, I do love water though. I dive, I love diving. So if, if you're going to take me out away from the sand on a boat, just to the water part, and I can hop in and dive, I am always down for that, but that's definitely still more adventure. Um, so yeah, I like, I like to get out. We take dance classes, cooking classes, surf I catch the vibe. You're like, you're yeah. Experiences like, yeah. And they're booked before we get there (laughs) they're definitely booked before we get there okay so we just went on a road trip um we went on a like almost five week road trip in October that was the first time ever I left my house with not having everything planned out and it was I was proud of myself too but I was also I was a little stressed like some like we left and like we didn't know where we were staying the whole time I was booking places like literally six hours before we were going to check in 
Whoo, it was a new me. It was a new me. Um, I liked it a little bit. There were some aspects of it I did enjoy because, you know, we could just change things if it ended up not working or we found something else. Right. But my stress levels was also a little high because I was like, I don't, I don't know. I just need to know what I'm doing. <laughs> right. Okay. 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 I can, I can appreciate that. I think I'm a mix. Like I like chill days. I like plan days. Um, and I like, I don't, I don't get too tied to plans. Like if there's something better to come up, I, I rather just discuss, like if I'm with someone else and be like, would you rather do this? Like blah, blah, blah. Okay. Let's get into another question. What tips do you have for packing? Because I'm assuming either, you know, one of the parents is packing for the children. So what tips do you have for packing for yourself? And if you do pack for your kids or your husband, what tips do you guys have for just having multiple people to handle? Yeah, so I am team carry-on, um, which means I pack extra light. <laughs> um, so for me, it's color coordinating our outfits before we leave because I coordinate our outfits. I actually pick out what we're wearing for every day because I use packing cubes, especially when we're traveling to multiple cities on the trip. So mm -hmm. everything for one city will be in one packing cube and so forth. That way it's easier and we're not like unpacking an entire suitcase the whole time. And when I say color coordinate, I more so mean like with our shoes, since we do pack light, we only bring one pair of shoes on trips. Um, so besides like flip-flops for the beach or something like that, or to shower in. Right. So I'll make sure that all of our shoes go, all of our clothes, sorry, go with that one pair of shoe. And that's the shoe that we're wearing on the plane. That way shoes are not taking up space in our suitcase. Cause that's what makes it the hardest, you know, to pack light. Um, but yeah, packing cubes are clutch and we stay in vacation homes a lot. So having a washer dryer also helps because I can pack, you know, three different shirts for one pair of pants and just wash clothes. Um, yeah, those were, those would be my, my, my main tips. Great. Next question is what is your top area you like to save money in? So is it your transportation your accommodations like dining out or what's like your number one area you're like we are saving money here flights always um flights always we only book flight deals so we're a follow the deal family so unless I'm going to a wedding and I cannot control the date or destination we are only booking deals because that's how that's key to making it most affordable especially when buying four plane tickets mm -hmm. um so yeah, and you can find flight deals during school breaks for kids. Both my kids are in public school, so I can't just be having them out whenever. And we flew to Morocco in 2019 for Thanksgiving, for the week of Thanksgiving, the kids had no school. Those tickets were $400 round trip. We went to Brazil for my daughter's spring break. That was $300 round trip. We went to, um, Denver and went skiing for my daughter's birthday, which is always President's Day weekend. We got those flights for $60 round trip. Yes. So flight deals are clutch. I also, I love me a budget airline. I have no shame in my game. Listen, I love Delta, but I love JetBlue and I love Spirit too. And I'm hey, we talk so much, we talk <laughs> so much crap about Spirit on this podcast, Listen, just because like, I'm flying them. I was team spirit. Like I didn't have a problem with spirit until I got stranded. And then I just like 
couldn't do but it. But see, anymore. you can get stranded with any airline. I understand, but with Spirit is worse because no, nothing can be worse than my United story. I will. Never oh, United forget. is like oh, I don't I'm know listen. who's worse. United. I don't know who's listening. <laughs> <laughs> but if y'all see me uh, working with United, know they gave me a million dollars because that's the only way. <laughs> listen, because after listen, seeing the worst, did you see their the like their whole plane fell apart yesterday? Oh, I did see. Yeah, that flight from Denver to Hawaii. Mm, I was like, I'm never flying United again because listen, I flew United. Like, I I mm, I flew United to Australia with my eight month old. She was eight months at the time. Okay, our flight our flight leaving Atlanta was delayed and we had a layover in San Francisco. Um, we finally get on the flight. There's mind you like 30 people on this flight that have this connection. So right. we're like talking to the flight attendants, you know, they only fly to Australia once a day. It's not like you can go again. Like, it's, you know, they don't have like flights every hour, like you're going to JFK or something. Mm-hmm. We're asking the flight attendant, like, okay, one, can you like make an announcement to allow those of us who are trying to catch this connection to get off the plane first? She's like, no, we can't do that. What? That's a lie. Okay. And then I was like, okay, (laughs) well, when we land, can you like call the gate? She's like, no, we can't do that. I said, okay. That's a whole lie. So I got off the plane. Listen, (laughs) I got off the plane. Okay. My eight month old is strapped to me in a baby carrier the the person that's at the gate there i'm like hey can you please call because this is sfo like if you've been to sfo you know how big yeah, that airport is. it's this, big. okay this not this not tallahassee airport okay it and they be making you this, walk i was like this is listen, california i'm like why am listen, i walking i'm like am i going am i walking to la right now because that's what it feels like okay <laughs> i have this baby strapped to my chest in this carrier i'm like ma'am is there any way you could please call the gate and let them know we're coming like I'm not by myself. Like I have a, an eight month old. She's like, you better start running. Cause they're not going to wait for you. You need to hurry up. I said, okay, rude. We get to the gate. All of a sudden the flight is delayed, but nobody told us. So we're all running through the airport. Okay. I'm like <laughs> the worst out of breath ever. So we get there. We're waiting. The flight gets delayed like by three hours. Okay. Then they cancel the flight at like 12 31 o'clock in the morning we have to go to the downstairs to the main check-in area to for us to get another flight mind you which won't be until the next day we have to stand online for over two hours okay because they only have like one person (laughs) then i get there and they're gonna put us in a hotel first they told us they didn't have any more hotels and I looked at them and said, I don't know what you think is happening right now, but you're going to call somebody. Like, I'm not even a rude person. I am not rude at all, but you're going to call someone because there's no way you can tell me that you cannot put me in a hotel. All of a sudden they have extra hotels. And then I'm like, oh, may I please have a car seat? Because they told us if we want, we couldn't even get our belongings because they said, if you wanted your bag, it was going to be three hours. It's one o'clock in the morning. I'm exhausted. Like, and it's 1 a.m., California time. I just came from the East Coast. Okay. Right. I asked them for a car seat. This lady's like, um, it's why don't you have your own car seat? I said, first of all, ma'am, I'm going to Australia. Their cars do not accept American car seats. Second of all, you just told us it would be three hours to get our luggage. So even if I had checked a car seat, I would have to wait three hours. I said, as an airline, you're supposed to have the car seats. You're supposed to have car seats available for guests specifically for this reason, because you guys lose people's luggage. Then we have to wait for a shuttle 
they're only sending one shot at a time. Okay, this is a flight going to Australia. It means that it's the it's the planes with like three, four, and three that are really big. And I yeah. want to say this plane had two levels and it was a full flight. So it is hundreds and hundreds of people on this plane. We're waiting for the shuttle. They only have one shuttle coming at a time and we're at SFO and they're putting us, um, I can't remember the name right now, but it's by the Macy's in downtown, like by the work area. So it's not even close to the airport. So it's taking forever. And at this point, I know I was probably not the nicest person because we were outside and the shuttle came in and they said there were no, it's like the fourth shuttle. And they were like, there's no more seats. And I said, I'm sorry, I've been standing outside in the freezing cold with my eight month old baby now forever. And I need to get on the shuttle. So this couple that was on the shuttle, they were like, you know what? We're going to give up our seats and you can take our seats. I was like, thank you so much. I wasn't even trying to be like that, but everyone was so irritated. Do you know that United, first of all, don't even act all the other, how many other things it ruined when we got to the hotel, all the things that were wrong. Do you know that they tried to play us and we're like, oh yeah, we'll give everybody a $50 credit. Oh, United is bad for that. I've had experience like that. You know, I've had so many negative things with them. Because when you said that, it triggered me. It triggered a memory. It does trigger me. Listen, spirits will get my business over United any day. And that's okay. all facts. <laughs> that's valid. That's valid. I'm not going to tell my story because I'm pretty sure they've heard it on the podcast about two, <laughs> two or three times. Like whenever spirit comes up, I tell it. But in short, spirit left me stranded and they told me I could catch a different flight in Jersey, but I was in Baltimore. So it was. Mm. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, okay. Anyways, let's wrap this up. Because I have the free version of Zoom and <laughs> I'm not ashamed of that. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> so our last question, we asked everyone this question on the podcast is why do you think it's important to for Black women? I can't even say it right. Why do you think it's important for Black women to travel? Just because there's so much world to see and it's ours. You know, I feel like there, it's our world. Like, for, and for everyone, really, but it's our world and we deserve to have these experiences. We deserve to see what life is like other places. We deserve to eat all the foods, have all the experiences and just live life to the fullest. And it may be because I'm obsessed with travel, but I just really think travel offers just just so so much and it opens it can open doors and the people that you can meet and friendships you can build just from traveling to other places and meeting someone on a plane or studying abroad whatever the case may be I just think that it just adds to everything we already have as black women um and I think it's also nice to see how we're treated in other communities and cultures as well I can definitely agree on that one that was a nice concise and beautiful response everyone says something different and Janelle and I love asking that question um to wrap things up let everyone know where they can find you follow you give you their money whatever you want them to do so you can find me on Instagram at the traveling child. My website is the travelingchild.co. You can buy a book for your kids, nieces, nephews, godchildren on Amazon. The traveling child um, goes to Rio de Janeiro. And if you're trying to up your blog game, I offer 
overall consultations as well. Love that. Thank you so much for coming on. I hope you have a great day. We didn't even talk about COVID travel, but you know, you're doing it. You're doing it regardless. <laughs> Just go to our Instagram. She's yes. doing it regardless. So, but safely, obviously. But um, thank you so much for coming on. This was awesome. I love talking to you. Thank you so much for having me.